nothing shall be impossible to what? Those who believe. Those who believe. And so I just came to stir up the believers in the room tonight. I came to stir up the gift on the inside of you. And we're going to get to that. I, I brought all kinds of things. I'm like, I got teacher mode. I got preacher mode. I got prophet mode happening. I got all things at one time stirring on the inside of me. But one thing I know is that when we line this prayer team up tonight, when we line the elders up, and I got to tell you, I don't know how long we're going to be here. There's part of me, I'm like, let's let some of them sit on the front row and let's line some chairs up. Or they sit on the stage we will not even have to touch you and I'm prophesying the word of the Lord that something is changing in this room tonight not just in this room but on the inside of you are you tired of living the same old mundane life day after day why would we when the spirit of the living God is dwelling on the inside of us why would we settle for less than why would we settle for the carnal mind when we can have the mind of Christ? Why would we? So tonight, I want to just declare the Holy Spirit. He's the wind. He's fire. He's the dove that descended and rested upon the Christ. He is the living water. Ooh. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. There are so many aspects, and I believe that is for this purpose. He, just like me, does not like to be locked into a box. That's why I despise religion most of my life. Because I knew all the things I couldn't do, but nobody told me what I could do. <laughs> A feather? Where did that come from? Stop it. Listen, we are that church, y'all. Where did this come from? That's interesting. Look, it looks like a dove. It was on your seat, Pastor. It show up. I don't know. We are that church, y'all. And I'm tired of pretending like I ain't. Because when you've seen the dead raised, Dina, Julie, if you knew my story, I was dead in my trespasses. <laughs> and yet I stand here fully alive today. And when you've seen stage four cancer and life sentences begin to be reversed over people's lives, I refuse to go back to my stinking thinking. I refuse to go back to the old mindset. I refuse to be locked up in a perimeter Listen, what, what do you do when you tell somebody, don't do that? What's the first thing that's going to happen? Y'all are a bunch of rebellious hellions like I was. That's what I say. I didn't come from a long line of, of preachers. 
My dad's family, I come from a very long line of hellions. And I love to say this, but that broke with me. And I will not be the last preacher in my bloodline. I will not be the last prophetic voice in my bloodline. I will not be the last worshiper or psalmist in my bloodline because the residual effects of heaven will continue when you continue to pour the seeds. And some of you need to get so bold in your faith. It might not look like much right now over your life and over your family and over the lineage and the inheritance that God has promised your children. Some of you are in this room tonight and you're like, we did all the right things. And yes, the enemy may have gotten in and sown some bad seeds in the night season, but I'm believing tonight that there is a divine awakening that's taking place in your family and in your children. I believe it. Caleb already prophesied it. There's divine assistance in this room. And I, for one, understand what that means because I've seen it too many times to believe less. The angels of heaven are waiting for you to give an assignment, an order. You, listen, if, if God would open our eyes, we would see this room filled with angelic beings just looking at you, waiting for the nod to say, go. It's true. It's so true. Just waiting on you to say, yes, I want you to go forth because not because it's a selfish desire on my part, but because I believe the word of the Lord. I believe the word of the Lord. So I'm going to open up the book of John 14. Now listen, I'm going to do this quick. Because I want to move on with the assignment at hand. I don't know about you. Some of you may have different, I don't know. I have not found anything against the Passion Translation. I love it because it breaks down the Greek, it breaks down the Hebrew, but it also breaks down the Aramaic. And that might trip some of you, but in the day of Jesus and in the, in the land and the territory of Judea, they predominantly spoke the Aramaic language. Some of my elders could set me straight if I was wrong, but I saw Elder Jeff shake his head yes. And so what I love about that is this goes back to the original, a lot of things, and, but when you compare it, it all means the same thing. It all means the same thing. It might position it in a different light because I'm grateful to the Lord to know that he doesn't want to leave us in the dark. The unveiling, we just had Bridaline Conference, Bridaline Unveiled, and that word unveiled literally is apocalypto, which is a revelation. The unveiling is a revelation, and we could, we'll go into that before we step in, but I believe the Holy Spirit is unveiling some things that have maybe been veiled by, by man. Maybe it just wasn't the time. I have found in my life that I've had a revelation of some things that I should have known, but the Holy Spirit said, you weren't ready. 
And so I'm grateful for the discernment enough to know that in the right season, he will reveal whatever it is that he wants to reveal. So this is not necessarily a new revelation. It is just a different picture and side of the revelation. I love the book of John because he releases so much about the deity and the DNA of Jesus, our Savior. It literally talks about the deity of his nature and releasing the kingdom upon the earth. And so when Jesus begins to prophesy about the Holy Spirit in John 14 to his disciples, I want us to just, uh, well, you, you probably won't read it because I've got the passion translation that I want to read. And then I want to read these little cliff notes. I love my, this box set. If you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. It is an incredible study uh, that you can dig into. So he says in 14 and 15 is where it begins. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So in, in the new King James, if you love me, keep my commandments. But I want us to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to obey. Woo! It's, he's saying he's not leaving you empty. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. I will ask the Father to give you. Now, here's what I want us to catch in the original Aramaic. This is Gary. Stir the hornet's nest of religion right here. Y'all ready? The Passion Translation in the Aramaic says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior. The Holy Spirit of truth who will be with you like a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world will not receive him because they cannot see him or know him. But you, listen, know him intimately because he remains with you and will live on the inside of you. So I want to just read this, that the, the Greek word of another, it's alos, which means another of a same kind. As Jesus is the Savior from the guilt of sin, the Holy Spirit is the Savior who saves us from the power of sin. Listen, by living through us in the fulfillment of fullness. The Greek word of, of Holy Spirit is the parakletos. We are familiar with that. It's a technical word that could be translated, listen, as a defense attorney. Aren't you thankful for that? It means one called to stand next to you as a helper. That's that eighth, sir, that we've talked about, that first line of defense. However, none of these words alone are adequate and fall short in explaining the full meaning of what the Holy Spirit was sent here to do. In translation, the chosen word is Savior, for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, listen to this, save us from ourselves. 
and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. You need to know that Jesus came to do a thing. I've often said it and did not have the revelation. It was the blood of Jesus that saved me, but it has been the Holy Spirit that has kept me this whole time. I could not understand why I would say those things, but now I have a revelation. The Holy Spirit came not only to save me from myself. He came to save me from my enemies by how? Giving me wisdom to deal with them. He came to keep us whole and healed. To keep us. Say, keep me, Holy Spirit. He is the one who guides and defends, comforts and consoles. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit of Christ Jesus, our Savior, the Aramaic word is the paraclete, which is taken from two root words, the parap, to end or to finish or to save. The lita, which means the curse. What a beautiful word picture. The Holy Spirit comes to end the work of the curse of sin in our lives and to save us from its very effect. The paracleta means a redeemer who ends the curse. The redeemer who ends the curse. Now, some of you may be sitting in this room and say, but wait a minute. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, right? The tetelestai of the Lord. I want us to catch this revelation. When Jesus was standing ready to tell his disciples, greater things you shall do. But I need you to go and do something first. I need you to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do this without what I'm sending to you. I am sending, yes, a comforter, but I'm not just sending a comforter to keep you in your pit. I'm sending an empowerment upon you that you will be able to tread on serpents and scorpions. You will be able to go in boldness of my name and cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, restore sight to the blind, and raise the dead. Without my spirit, there will be no empowerment to do such a work that I'm sending you. But in that empowerment and in that, listen, I want us to catch this revelation. It is finished. I I said this while preaching at Bride Align, and it's so true. We as the people of God, the church, listen, I will forever cherish the old rugged cross. Forever. Because it was the place that my sin became eradicated. It was the place that my sin and my shame was no longer able to defeat me when I accepted what was done on that cross. But I want to lay this before you tonight. The cross was not the end. Oftentimes we get saved and we stop at the cross of Calvary. He said, yes, you pick up your cross. You will have your own persecution. You will have your own load to bear, your own weight to bear. We often settle and stop and cling to the cross instead of going and getting empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and finish what Jesus started upon the earth. Oh, see this mess is... 
So I want us to see the paracletos, the defense attorney. Jesus is our advocate with the Father. He is seated at the right hand and he is speaking to the Father. Every time the enemy comes and brings up accusation against you, it is Jesus who speaks to the judge, the righteous ruler who is seated on the throne. Because let's be clear, God is still on his throne. Nothing is moving him off of his throne. If he vacated his throne, then hell would have an opportunity to take it. But he is God alone. He is seated high upon his throne he is he's seated high but he's looking low he's watching over what he's cultivated on this earth seated but even him is not casting judgment yet because we have an advocate we have a paracletos Ah, we have one as a defense attorney that as judgment is trying to come nigh our door and our dwelling when all hell is saying look what she did look what he did and trying to bring judgment and condemnation upon you the the advocate the lawyer the defense attorney says you wait a minute my blood has been applied to their life (laughs) the paracletos the defense attorney Jesus, this is why he says in John 16, he says, it is expedient that I go away. See, this this just messes our mind up. It is, basically he's saying, it is so important for you that I go. Because when I go, I can send the one. And what Jesus was saying, you are comfortable with walking with me. You're comfortable walking and doing the fulfillment of the kingdom with me. I'm walking with you. I'm talking with you. But it is so important. It is, listen what it says in the Aramaic. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, it's not just one that's coming to walk beside you. But it is my spirit that is coming to dwell on the inside of you. To change your mind. To shift the heart to not allow the enemy's tactics to get up over your head the spirit will begin to pull it down being filled with the spirit he said it is an advantage of yours that I'm going I'm going to be talking to the father the Holy Spirit is going to be communicating but he's not just walking beside you he's walking in you You see, the original law, as Pastor Aaron talked about today, the original Pentecost in Exodus, the law was written on tablets of stone because these are a people. A great deliverance took place, right? A great deliverance. I want us to picture this. A great deliverance. God sent a deliverer in Moses and he carried them out of Egypt to the other side. But then they were still a people without no government. You want to know why? Because they had been used to being under the rule of slavery. 
They had been used to being bossed around by the taskmaster. They had been used to having the noose around their neck, telling them what they could do, what they couldn't do, where they could go, where they couldn't go, how long they were going to do it, how many they were going to produce. They were used to that. And so God said, I want to go establish, Moses, come up to me, come up higher. I want to establish a governing authority over their life. But when they came down with the law, we know the story, they got tired of the waiting. And they, in fact, began to fascinate in their own mind that Moses had died upon that mountain and that he wasn't coming back. And so they begin to form their own government, their own ruling, their own God, gathered all the gold that Egypt gave them to get out of their land. Egypt paid them to leave. And what was to carry them all the way into the promised land, they now had created an idol. And when they came down the mountain, God commanded death over them because one thing is true. Something will die where there's been the evidence of sin. Every time. Sin is pleasurable for a moment, but in its end is death. And in the book of Exodus, on the first Pentecost, 3,000 died. So the Lord is always about bringing what is chaotic into order. He is always about restoration and what is disorderly, bringing it into his function and his his order. So we see when Jesus is up on the mountain, he's leaving the commission. You need to go wait because I'm sending the spirit. I need you to go here. Go wait. Go, Go wait for me. And as they were tarrying and as they were waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God, 120, the whole house was filled. The spirit of God came in there like the mighty rushing wind, divided cloven tongues of fire, didn't just settle upon them corporately, but they each got a personal revelation through the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear tonight that as each and every person, I'm speaking this corporately, but tonight I sense something is going to happen personally. I sense a personal lighting of a flame coming upon you. You know why? Because we're not always with you, but the Holy Spirit is. It's important that you don't always stay with your cluster in the in this time. But there are moments we gather together and then we go forth and know that the Holy Spirit has empowered you to do the work outside of these four walls. The Holy Spirit fell upon them and the whole house salvation, the whole house deliverance, the whole house of what had been disorder, chaotic and probably fearful, came into order. And what happened? We heard it today. Peter goes out. He's preaching the word with fierce boldness. He's prophesying out of the book of Joel. These are the days that have been prophesied. Sons and daughters prophesying. Old men uh, dreaming dreams. Young men having visions. I I just want us to catch the revelation that this was now the empowerment. Peter had always had a bold personality. But now it wasn't just walking with him and even walking at a distance of him. The spirit of God 
fulfilled what Peter could not do. He then became fulfilled in the presence of God, in the empowerment of God. And with holy boldness, he stood, preached the word, declared the truth, and 3,000 were saved into the kingdom that day. Because restoration matters to God. Where 3,000 were taken, the first Pentecost. This one, 3,000 were now added. <laughs> so we don't know the time span of the kingdom of God, but one thing I do know is that I'm willing to wait for whatever it is that he wants to do in the hour he wants to do it. A, a, a Holy Spirit that gives you the ability. See, oftentimes we try to do it in ourselves, We try to walk upright. And you nor I can be righteous enough. But through the blood and the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, through the, uh, the atonement, through him ascending to heaven and being seated by the right hand of the Father and them sending the Holy Spirit to come and complete. Now here's what I want to catch the revelation of. Oftentimes, we in church, it's not about the outward manifestation of sin that we struggle with. I would venture to say there's maybe, I mean, maybe you're in here. Maybe one of you, two of you. You struggle with outward sin. But the majority of the Christian life, we are not out fornicating. We're not out committing adultery. We're not out going to the bars and getting drunk. We're, we're, we're not out doing all the actual things that we call sin. We're not out hating and murdering and doing the things. But often we worry about, oh, I could never be seen there, right? I have to avoid the very appearance of evil. And yet on the inside of us, in the inward parts... Ooh. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, oftentimes the enemy will make you think as long as you are not outwardly acting on the sin. You can't help a thought. Oh, yes, I can. I can pull that thing down. Doesn't mean I don't have them. Doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't come and temptation doesn't come knocking on my door. But let's be clear. Be filled with the Spirit so I will not fulfill the lust of my fleshly desires. Yes, I'm flesh, but when the enemy comes knocking at my door, I very quickly remove that thought before it has an opportunity to grow and manifest in my spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus came to save us from our sin. But not just so we could have an escape route to get to heaven. No, 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 no. But the Holy Spirit came to cleanse and keep a check and balance on the inside of us, to guide and direct us to all truth, to infill the innermost being of our lives, that when a, an authority would try to come to our mind that is not of God, when a thought, when a temptation, when something that we've set our eyes upon wants to trip us up, it is the Holy Spirit, thank you, that brings us conviction. I don't know about
about you, but if, if you are no longer feeling convicted and you know something's wrong, I would be on my face as David in Psalms 51 when he had been rebuked because he went to bed with Bathsheba. He saw something. It mulled over in his mind and without allowing the Spirit of God to put him in check, he fell in the sin very easily and very carefully. But when the sun was dying, because sin will always bring death, he is crying out and he says, you, you desire truth in the inward parts. See, we all want truth on the outward. We all want the head knowledge. But he said, you desire truth on the inward parts. And now I'm asking you to save me from my iniquities. Save me from my transgression. Save me from my sin. And he's saying, you may take everything from me, but I'm begging you, do not take your spirit from me. There will be times that the enemy will come to try to place a thought upon your mind that you have an authority in Christ Jesus to pull down everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, every vain imagination, every lustful thought, everything that would dare be contrary to the word of God. You and I both have an opportunity to tell it no and pull it out, submit it to God, Judge it by the Holy Spirit. David then goes on to say in that, uh, do not take your spirit from me. And he says this. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. <laughs> restore the joy to me of my salvation that I then might be able to go and lead transgressors to you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit empowerment is for? Jesus came to bring salvation to you. I want you to catch this. Jesus came, say, thank you, God, you brought salvation to me. And because he gave up his spirit, because he gave up his spirit, that is him saying, I am giving my spirit, my authority, my word to them to go and do the kingdom work on earth that has been established in heaven. Jesus bled and he died and he brought salvation to you. But now the Holy Spirit a redemption and a savior is now empowering you to go bring salvation through you. I want you to catch this. It's not just so we can dance around, shout, and speak in tongues. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But the true empowerment of the Holy Spirit is to say I was dead in my transgression, but now I live. And because I live, life can come to you too. Woo. Jesus came to bring salvation to you, and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to bring salvation through you that we might lead transgressors to him to him Romans 8 
Romans 8 and 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive, listen, the spirit of religious duty. Another word, the spirit of slavery, the spirit of bondage. You see, I want us to picture it. Moses led the children out of Egypt. That was a deliverance moment. Jesus bled and he died. He took the stripes up on his back. He went all the way to the cross. They stretched him as far as they could stretch him. He died. That was a deliverance moment for you and for I. But then there came the Pentecost, the waiting on the fulfillment, the empowerment to go and take the land, to go and and speak by the authority of heaven and the first generation the first missed it and I'm thankful that we see the great acts of the apostles they didn't miss it but here's what I want to say to you we've had some deliverance moments I watched as 2020 rolled in this nation and around the world I saw some things and deliverance taking place but now my question is to you what are you going to do with the empowerment with the infilling with the presence of the Holy Ghost in this hour we did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading us back into fear never being good enough but you have received listen the spirit the new King James puts it like this of adoption the original the spirit of full acceptance only by the grace of Jesus you can say I'm accepted. The spirit of full acceptance. Listen, enfolding. I, I love that because I picture as today I wanted so badly to go home and bake some fresh bread because at Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, they would go and make two loaves of bread and offer it up. And I thought, how cool would it be for us to do communion tonight with fresh baked bread? When I bake bread, I enfold it. I shift it all. I fold it up. You can't see the end from the beginning. Beginning. And so I just love that word, enfolding you into the family of God as if you've always been a part. Woo! Enfolding you. You cannot see where you begin and he ends and he begins and you end because I've been enfolded in him. <laughs> you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises up within us, say he's in me, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. In New King James, Abba, Father. This one, beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God, listen, the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to you and I. Jesus came for one purpose and one purpose alone, to restore the relationship between you and I and his father. And the Holy Spirit makes the fatherhood whoo, of the most high real to you and to I. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. You are his. There is nothing that I would not do for my child, my children. 
There's nothing I would not do. And so let me just be clear as you are crying out, beloved Abba, and you feel orphaned in this room and you are still trying to feel the acceptance. We are searching it out by the wrong spirit. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures for indeed, we are heirs of God himself. Since we are joined with Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided, listen, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. I know the power of his resurrection, but there is sweet fellowship to be learned in his suffering. So when we accept his suffering as our own, there is a co-glorification. I'm not looking to be glorified, but in first Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 3, when it's talking about the glory of Moses' face that was veiled, but yet there is a greater glory that you and I experience, then why have we lost our glow? Why have we lost our joy? If it is a greater thing than what Moses experienced. Wow, what are we missing? But I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of his glory that is about to be unveiled within us. Listen to this. This is what I'm getting ready to get to if the musicians will come. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure, listen, the empty futility rest resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for the freedom from its slavery and its decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and the groaning of creation as it were, as if the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit so inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed for this is the hope of our salvation. Creation is groaning for you to catch the revelation. I love that it says it's standing on tiptoe. It means that just like Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree, it, it explains it as the outstretched neck looking to see what God's creation is going to do next. What are his sons and daughters going to speak to for life to live again? What are they going to declare in the atmosphere that causes everything that is dead and in ruin to come alive again? 
What is God's sons and daughters? And the earth is groaning for you to catch the revelation of whose you are and what you are called to do. Second Timothy, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift of God imparted to you when I laid my hands on. It literally means I'm here to excite the gift and to awaken, to call an alertness to awaken and fan the gift of God on the inside of you. I believe that that's why God is instructing this prayer tunnel tonight, this fire tunnel, as literally I went to the Hispanic uh, conference in the Northeast region in Pennsylvania. Thank God for our Hispanic community. Because they don't care what you think. I'm tired of caring what people think. They were waving this flag. Woo! They were dancing. I asked Becca if she had hers. This is the Fuego flag. The fire flag. And so I need one of my flag girls. And you may have to shift out because you may get tired. But tonight we are literally going to fan whoo, the flame that you would be excited again that the power of the Holy Ghost is in filling your dwelling. That you are heirs and joint heirs because of Christ Jesus. That yes, he did not leave us forsaken. He did not leave us to figure this out by ourselves. But he sent someone to not just walk with me, but to walk on the inside side of me that when my innermost being feels like I'm about to lose my mind he just says Amanda I just need you to awaken the gift honey I just need you to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit I just need you to not get stagnant in this day I don't need you to forget what I'm saying on the inside of you here's the beautiful thing oh come on Alyssa it's not coming from outside of you. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. You. Look at your neighbor and tell them he's dwelling in you. I'm grateful. Jesus literally gave up his spirit so that you could possess and have it and that it would possess and have you. The innermost being of the Holy Spirit is that he might help you to know the mind of Christ, that you would not waver and deviate from the plans of the kingdom. This is what I know in this season. And I said it last week, just like as I understand that he is coming and he's looking for kingdom fruit. It's in each and every one of our lives. And at the end of the day, 
He's saying, you are here. You are still here. You are the one alive. So many of us, we suffer loss. We see things that have been cut off. And it's literally like, I've told you, the Ark of the Covenant is a sign. Everything that was in the Ark represented a people dying because of rebellion. And I believe that every time it was such a fear and such a reverence in that ark because it was a notification that you got to live. You and I are still here because there is a kingdom work to be done. And without the excitement and without the joy, there is no reason for you and I to be excited to go and tell somebody else about Jesus. And oftentimes, we come in for our refuel and fix, and we don't leave here with the fire. We don't leave here. It dies at the door because we get bored when we get home. And when we get bored and we get complacent, we find ourselves reaching for things that we think gives us life. But in its end, it brings a death. We put our eyes to things that we shouldn't put our eyes to. That's why it says that if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so if we're looking, and we may not even intend to, I've got to tell you, I used to love to just lay down and turn on my TV before I would go to sleep, but I turn and shift the channel more than I watch anything because there's nothing that I want to fill my being with. Not because I'm self-righteous. I want us to catch that self-righteousness is trying to be righteous outside of him. And so you desiring to live holy, there will be people who don't want to desire that that will call you self-righteous. That's not what self-righteousness means. It means I'm trying to figure out to be holy outside of the kingdom, outside of his spirit. I'm trying to do this by works alone. But I'm not looking at a people who are desiring to be self-righteous. I'm looking at a surrendered people. A people who are saying, Father, fill me up so I can overflow. Fill me up. Teach me. Teach me in my innermost being what I must do to carry about your salvation upon the earth. Empower me with your word and with your doing and with your, with your empowerment through the earth. Not because I'm anything special other than I'm choosing to be your son or your daughter. It's really that simple. Yes, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but there's a work for you to do. And so we're here to excite the gift. That's what I love about this church. I love about this church because if we are one thing, we are excited. And, and if we ain't feeling it, we're going to be excited before the night's over anyway. Uh, I'm telling you, because we understand that we are just fanning the, fa the flame of the fire. We're just fanning the fire. We're just fanning the flame. And so if my prayer team will come and line up, if the elders will come, I don't care if you sit on the front pew. I don't care if you sit on the stage. But we're going to create a river of fire an atmosphere of the wave that we would fan the flame on the inside of you on this Pentecost Sunday that if you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit if you need the indwelling if you need the infilling presence of God that tonight would change the trajectory of everything in your life now here's what I can tell you if you feel a word of prophecy or you want to speak something specific do so because we're in the atmosphere of prophetic people and so I encourage you it's time to activate the body it's time to empower the word of the spirit on the inside of us we're not 
caught. We're not conjuring up strange fire. It's coming from the blood sacrifice of Jesus. It's coming from the altar. It's coming from his sacrifice and his sacrifice alone. We're not pulling strange fire, but because of his sacrifice, we can be filled with the empowerment of his fire tonight. So when you begin, Alyssa, just come down here and begin to fan the flame in this in this aisleway. Come on, just begin to fan the flame as a prophetic act in this atmosphere. That Jesus, whew, Jesus gave up His Spirit so that we could be partakers, so that He could come and live on the inside of us, that He could help us from the inside out. That the dead zone of the inside of us, my innermost being, does not have to live bound by iniquity. My inner most being does not have to be entangled by the iniquity of my father's sin. I don't have to step into transition, transgression because I've dealt with the iniquity of the mind. Come on, begin to stir it up. Some of you need healing in this room tonight. And I'm just declaring the word of the Lord that as we are fanning the flame, because we're seeking Jesus, because he is the sacrifice of all, he is the healer, he is the deliverer, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. There is nothing that comes, he does nothing gets to the Father outside of him, nothing. Nothing gets to the Father outside of Him. You nor I will be able to have the activation of the Holy Spirit without Jesus' sacrifice, without Him giving up His Spirit, without the tetelestai of the Lord. But I want us to picture that the completion of the curse is destroying and eradicating it out of your mind. It doesn't even have to remain the guilt of the sin. The mulling over the sin in the, in the mind does not have to be because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Have your way, have your way. Now I want you to get that thing in your mind. Maybe it's a family member that you're praying for and maybe you don't have the adequate words to declare salvation to them. Maybe you're praying and maybe you've not even been able to say anything. I want you to get whatever has been a hindrance to your life in this season. I want you to begin to target that. And that's what we're going to declare that when you make your transition through this fire tunnel, that there's a divine shift and a divine change. You don't have to live bound to sin outwardly and you do not have to live bound to sin inwardly in this hour. You don't have to live under the fear and the bondage of man. You don't have to live under the tyranny of, of ungodly uh, leadership and ruling of your mind. But you have an authority to put on the mind of Christ in this hour.
And we are people who are here to fan the flame. And I can say this confidently, that there have been so many times that my fire meter has been low. Woo. And I could feel it begin to die out and simmer down. And let me tell you something, the religious culture will tell you, you need to simmer down. There'll be people who tell you, I don't know why you're so excited because I got a fire on the inside of me and I don't know what to do. It's like fire shut up in my bones. And I know you want me to stop preaching. I know you want me to be silent, but I can't. So Jeremiah was saying, I can't help it. Circumstance will cause the fire to simmer down in your life. Put a lid on it. Turn it down. Shut it up. Take it to a back room. Woo! You see, and all the while, there's too many things going on in back rooms that ain't got nothing to do with God. And I just believe that whatever's being done in secret, it's being revealed openly. And we become a church that if God's going to deliver somebody, he's probably going to do it right up here. If he's going to fill somebody, he's probably going to do it right up here. If he's going to bring salvation to you, he's probably going to do it right up here. Because whatever's done in secret, it's being revealed openly. So as the earth is groaning for you to catch the revelation and be excited about the revelation of who you are in him because Jesus gave up his spirit, you and I have the ability to be empowered to go and lead others to him, to go and lead others to him. It actually reads just like this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. His spirit is generous. And I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. When will all of this happen? When the joy of salvation comes back to me. When I have shaken off the dust. Listen, some of you are not even sinning and you're still bearing the guilt of the sin that he removed from your life. When you decide to shake off the guilt of the transgression. When you decide to stop beating yourself up over the thought you had last night. And just surrender the thought and say, Spirit man, go to that place on the inside of me and drive out what's trying to manifest manifest on the inside of me casting it down you do not have to live bound by the guilt and shame of your past the enemy will tell you you've done too much you've gone too far you didn't come from the right lineage he'll continue to make you feel like you're not accepted you've got a record praise God so did Paul the Apostle you in good company if you have sin in your past you're in good company but let's just say 
when the enemy's trying to bring it into your present, you keep it in your past and under the blood. And then we decide, you're not going to get up this up over my head, but I'm, I'm now going to go lead others and teach others how they can be free from their sin too. So I just want to destroy the lie of the enemy that if you put your eyes to unholy things, they can be sanctified, washed, cleansed, and put in the fire tonight and be purified by his holy fire. If you've got adultery in your past, praise God, you're not alone. So did David. So did many others in their life. You you went down to the prostitute so did others so did Judah and guess what God still put Judah's lineage in the saving Christ I'm just came to destroy the lie of the enemy to say your past defines you the only thing that defines me today is if I'm covered by the blood and if I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work in my life in this hour Your past. Some of you need to get over the fear of what if they know. Praise God. I hope they do. I'm telling you. Nobody's getting saved because we think everybody's so perfect. Salvation came to you that you didn't deserve. You didn't deserve it. And I just want to tell you, you battling some things, you can be free tonight. You need deliverance, you can be free tonight. You've been vexed with the devil. I just need some mamas to begin to cry out to Jesus and declare the word of the Lord that yes, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. I'm just looking for faith to arise in the room. I'm looking for some whole household salvation. I'm looking for somebody to say I will not be denied because I will not deny him. I refuse to sit comfortable on that cushion. I refuse to wait for the rapture bus and stand before the Lord and him say, why were you so silent? Why were you so silent? So those of you that are at your seats and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to begin to pray. Because I'm here tonight. These intercessors are here. There is a fresh excitement, a fresh fan that is being placed upon your fire. What I was saying, there have been many days that I have come in here and my fire meter was low. It was just an ember. But I get into the presence of the encouraging prophetic word of the Lord. And before you know it, I begin to feel the flicker. I begin to feel the heat of the flame. And the encouraging prophets in this room are speaking the word of the Lord over my life and I leave here with a greater capacity of excitement than when I came in y'all are so emotional yep so are you when you watch the wrong things and do the wrong things and fall in the wrong beds and sin the wrong sin I was very emotional in the world. (laughs) And so Paul tells Timothy, I want to fan the flame 
of your fire. It's time to stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. It's time to release the fan of the Lord. It's time to release. I'm here to cause an excitement of the Holy Ghost empowerment upon you that you would understand you're not just here to be saved, but you are here to declare the word of the Lord of salvation to others. I'm not just here that I might just, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go to hell today, but when I get to heaven, I'm declaring that those will come with me who I've been commissioned to call to and pray for and carry alongside of me. He said, the world will not know the Holy Spirit, but you will know him intimately. Why? Because he's in you. He will be in you. (laughs) I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in my life. And far too many times, I've allowed my pride, I've allowed the wrong emotion, too many times I've allowed the inadequacy and the inferiority of what they think of me to keep me from ministering the true word of the Lord. And you're no different. Yes, things have happened in your life, but I'm believing That when we come through this, I want you to begin to pray. Because I see the shift in the atmosphere. I see bodies being healed. I see some of you that thought you were in retirement. And God is saying, my husband says this all the time. It's not time to retire. It's time to refire. I see a refiring happening. I see a firing of the mind. I love it because when your brain wakes up, it's called a firing. Some of you, your mind is coming alive in Christ Jesus. Some of you have had some gray matter and dead zones in your mind process. Your thoughts, the activities of your mind have become dead zones. But I see the refiring of the Holy Ghost begin to activate what was dead and I see resurrection power coming alive again. So what we're going to do, we're going to start on this side of the room and we're going to walk through and circle back. When this side begins to get empty, we're going to come here. When this side begins to get empty, we're coming here. And young people, we're going to end with you because I believe that there is something tangible in this room that it's not just your generation, but we're going to do this together. I am tired of hell berating this generation. I'm tired of the identity crisis. I'm tired of your mind believing that you are everything else other than what God has said about you.